What is up, everybody? It's the Super Flexible Podcast, episode 90. I am Two Drink. I am here, happy to be recording with my boy Swag Zero OG. Swagzilla Zero OG. I already messed it up. What's up? <laughs> That's all right. I, I just changed it. That damn Trader Joe inspired right. me to change my Twitter handle. I didn't think it ever happened. Throwing out an awesome banner there for Scott Fishbowl. Perfect. Dude, those guys are grinding. Like The work they're doing, I don't know. Go out and get... Uh, one of those guys to do you an AV, honestly. Speaking of grinding, look at that. Perfect. Who's the guest we got today, Swags? We've got Peter Howard from Dynasty Crossroads. Um, Paul Howdy himself. Grinding Paul. away all the time for you. Selling roads. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. I was just going to say, I just got my uh, Abbey. Did you call him in like an Abbey? I, 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 uh, I don't talk good, but I did Abby, use a V. Man. I did um, use a V. Um, yeah, from the Abbey Makers um, as well, and it's pretty fire. I was very happy with it. Yeah, and I saw you. You said you not, wanted to figure out how to get it on Homer's shirt. Yeah, I don't like letting go of my avatar. Like, <laughs> mainly because I don't recognize people anymore when they change their avatar. They talk at me on Twitter. I'm like, who are you? Oh, well, I've been you for five years. Cool, cool, cool. It takes me a second. Maybe and, uh, you find a way to just put, like, Homer's head on it for now. Well, actually, funny enough, um, Zach Reed from the Dynasty Dummies must have seen the tweet as well, and he's just sent me a bunch of modified my own avatar. Nice. <laughs> With that avatar, like, <laughs> and his shirt, and he's against the whiteboard at one point saying, why receiver early beats RB early over and over again. Yeah. So, like speaking of Zach Reed, I feel like he sniped me and got Peter Howard when I was trying to. <laughs> All coming off of the uh, open bar that you guys are on. Yeah, right? which is another uh, good listen. Like, go to the open bar, then dummies, Just then hopefully you're right here. Now. Yeah, <laughs> but... Get them all in here. Uh, you re-listen to the Dynasty Dummies. There's a yep. great... Uh, what's J. Mike's one? Shit, it's been forever since the season. Um, he does that... I've got a shirt. Oh, the Blitz. The Dummy Blitz. Blitz. We're not allowed to say that anymore until he comes up with another one. So he's been warned. (laughs) The pressure. (laughs) Mute in the Blitz. Right. 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 Go listen to Dynasty Nerds. Why not? That's that's the one that came to my head. (laughs) So we asked Peter to come on to try to identify. Did we mention Dynasty Crossroads and that they need to become a patron yet? Did we? (laughs) No, we did not. That's goodness. We're you said you're awful at plugging and like we're awful at bringing guests in. So <laughs> if you don't know, Peter's doing Dynasty Crossroads has been doing. You should definitely be tuning into that show, and then always pumping out work. And um, you, if you become a patron, you can get your model. Is that correct? All your data right uh, now? No, not really. My Patreon's free. You can support me on Patreon <laughs> if you want, but everything I post is just kind of, it's just like Twitter, man. It, it, uh, there's a few things like my NFL database. Uh, you have to be a patron to get attached to that link. But if anyone just wants to know about plays in general, I got a bunch of databases and data and everything I post on there. We're so trying to get Peter work. paid. Uh, yeah, that, that, I don't know if that works out. Um, <laughs> I'm off an anti-payment for some reason. It feels chilly. Um, but I do really appreciate, I've got like a lot of people that support me on there for whatever they can or whatever they can't, frankly. And then I just really appreciate trying to help out. So I try to use Patreon as an extension of that. Awesome. You know, um, I don't have a lot of money, and I started playing fantasy football without a lot of money. And I hate the idea someone can't enjoy statistics or get 
some fun out of looking at statistics. Yeah. Because of that. So, like, I'm not trying to contribute to that kind of life, you know? Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, on the other hand, I basically work this as a third full-time job. So, I mean, I, I do accept the sport, but I'm, I suck at it. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what I will plug, I guess, since someone here might not have heard of me before, since most people haven't, and um, pinned to my Twitter timeline, also my Patreon timeline is my market share database, and that goes back all the way to 2003 with all college statistics and market share and breakout age and dominator rating and some fun things I think I found or made using them, um, including my pre- and post-draft models for all positions, you know, uh, so you can just see that. You don't have to give anyone no money, and then you can go own some nerds with the things they don't know about these players. That's what it's there for. Yeah, absolutely. So check much that work out. goes into that stuff. He's up all nights of the, all hours of the night, just grinding, grinding numbers, which, which is hard for me to make sense. I'm glad there's people like you that can do that and and find that information in there because I am not a person smart enough to, to to look at it in in that way. It just doesn't make sense to me. So Let's I'm glad there are guys like you. It's not ninety five percent of this is like there's five percent of it which you just need to be you know sean siegel josh hans my you need to be one of the smart guys but most of the information how likely players are to break out how well things tell you about what players are going to do the next season most of it's remarkably simple i found it's just a matter of grinding that's why i was yeah the grind you just kind of it's got a lot of legwork to it and frankly i understand how no one else wants to do it but it's not about, you know, you got to be a smart guy to get it out. It's just, I'll do the legwork, and then you can look at it and go, oh, okay, there you go. So <laughs> that's why people should support you on Patreon. Boom, you're already doing the legwork for them. Yeah. <laughs> Except if they're one of the smart guys and like, wait, he just said I don't have to pay him. Yeah, but they're, they're, but most of us are lazy enough that we're still not going to go do it, especially when you already put it together. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about football, boys. Let's let's do it. So we wanted to try to identify some breakout candidates, we'll call them. Um, kind of like was thinking like fireworks and explosion and 4th of July. And let's try to get pumped up about some of that. Some players that might blow up a little bit. Um, oh, hard 4th of July to get as excited as normal. I mean, my town's not even having fireworks anywhere this year. So we're going to be doing a little bit of our own stuff. But um we we're hoping to be able to use your model a little bit to pull some some guys you think are due for some breakouts this year. You mentioned it it isn't specifically for that, but I'm guessing you've got some guys in mind at some positions, whether they're rookies or veterans or um, some know. numbers have to have to go together, right? To that leans you towards that way. Well, one of the reasons I said, no, that's not what I have on Patreon, is like, I don't have a model for everything. Modeling is, well, you know, for handsome, attractive people. But seriously, <laughs> one of the things I've learned is it takes you so far, and there's a lot of stuff about modeling I don't fully understand. Like p-values, I've read about what a probability value is <laughs> so many times you wouldn't believe. But it can give me an inkling. It can give me an idea. And so, like, I do have some models. Like, I put some numbers together to try and predict points per game for rookies, like I was just saying. And I've got a points per game model, which tries to predict the next year points per game for individual players. But I don't really play or focus 
through models because one, I just get sick of saying the word model. <laughs> <laughs> um, Me too. I was just doing it for you, so I'm glad we can yeah, let that go. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no, it's just a, I, I try to come a general understanding of how of trends or I guess patterns. Like what? I guess that's just the way I think. Like what do wide receivers, for example, that break out for the first time have in common? Um, and then I go looking for players that have that going into 2020. It's not like science. <laughs> it's not, not, not going to be blown away by anyone, but there are some things that can tell us that players are more or less likely to break out. And some things that are just stories, like, you know, he's got a good quarterback. Yeah, but when you think about it, how many of your favorite players have got great quarterbacks? Like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees ain't it for most of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So is that true or not true? Um, and I just did the same thing with vacated targets. It's not that it doesn't make sense. It's just that when I think about it, I'm like, really? Every time? A lot? How often? And that's what I'm <laughs> looking for. So I guess it also matters what you mean breakout. I've mostly been looking at it through like a dynasty perspective. And for dynasty, like crossing into the top 24 PPR scoring at wide receiver seems to be this really significant thing because you're much more likely to keep ending up in that range at wide receiver. Um, and those are the players we want, right? We want A.J. Brown, one of the reasons we lo- all like him, and it's all reflected in the fact that he finished inside the top 24 in PPR last year, whereas D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuels, were excited about him, but they, he didn't finish inside the top 24. If you see what I mean, there's, there's a connection to how well they're likely to do and also how much we value them, and in Dynasty, we're kind of chasing both of those things. So I recently I've been looking at Traditional hit rates are like the percentage of players drafted in a certain round that break out for a top 24 season, for example. Um, So I was looking at that and also breaking down the rate at which they break out in career year. So what year do they mostly break out? And it actually turns out, based on draft capital, it's different. So if you're drafted in the first round, you're much more likely to break out in year one. If you're drafted in the second or third round, you're actually more likely to break in breakout in uh, year two overall as a position the second year is the most common breakout year but i'm also like i said really dumb and i don't know how to apply that to the 2020 season because well breakout rates have smaller samples you get at max like 12 players breaking out in any one of these categories between draft round and career year and what that means is if two more players do it in a different year suddenly the breakout rate looks really different and when you go to like undrafted free agents, you've got like a 66% breakout rate, which sounds really good, but it's only it's because two players that broke out actually broke out in that single year, which means it's not very likely. So I was looking for a way to like balance the rates and the hit rates with looking at the 2020 season. And so what I've been doing lately is looking at the most common type of breakout. What's the most common type of wide receiver that breaks out for the first time into the top 24 since 2007? And what I found is like 11% of all wide receiver breakout seasons I'm actually counted by, well, really three different conditions. It's a wide receiver drafted in the first round going into their first year. It's a second round wide receiver going into their second year or third year. Actually, that would count for about 25% of the breakouts if we count those. Um, and then that's it. Those are the most common type of breakouts in an individual season. After that, you're looking for players drafted outside the fourth round playing in their third year or later, mostly. Hmm. So what does that mean? What's my home? What's your whole point, wasn't it? You're just like, could you get to like the, what does that mean, Pete? I'm just looking for a player. Me too. (laughs) 
but I feel like I have to explain. No, how. I actually feel like you describe all that really well. Like I'm, I'm listening yeah. pretty. Yeah. I, I think you, yeah, I'm enjoying this so far. I hope everybody else is. Well, I appreciate it. And this is a thing on my Patreon, to be fair, <laughs> if we're going to talk about that, but I also posted it on Twitter. Like I say, I'm a big deal. We want to consider. So um, what that essentially tells us is all the wide receivers we love right now, the rookie fever wide receivers, like Justin Jefferson, Jerry, Judy, CD lamb, mm-hmm. I guess Harry Ruggs, Jalen Rago, all those first-round players are actually in the most common breakout year. Now, we know we don't expect much from rookies, and that is a good thing because 11% of all breakouts is still a really small segment, and we know this this stuff doesn't happen very often, right? Mm-hmm. So not all these players are probably going to break out for us, as hard as that is to accept right now. So, But it is interesting that because they were drafted in the first round, just based on nothing about the players, you know, your your opinion of the players should get layered on top of that. If you love Henry Ruggs, then that should be layered behind that information and gives you a little bit more hope this year. But, you know, still don't go crazy with it because they're rookies. So uh, what I did is um, go outside, especially when I did this kind of for all positions. But um, I, I went went outside players that are rookies because, you know, everyone's already kind of excited about them. So who else is left? And, and if we filter not just by those most common breakout rates that I was talking about, but also like players that got over like 10% target share, which also seems to be something of a significant threshold for wide receivers going into the next year um, as sophomores, for example, like if you don't get at least around 10% target share or target share per game even um, in your first year, it's pretty much those who don't do that don't hit and those who do might hit. So it's a pretty clear line. Um, and I'm benching at that because I'm a big fan of Nikhil Harry and JJ Sega Whiteside and neither of them did that this year. And that was really last year and that's really painful for me. But anyway, if I filter by just these two things, what we see is like, Debo Samuels and DK Metcalf are actually in their most common breakout year, and and they rise to the top because they had 20 and 70% target share last year, followed by Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, Terry McCollum, Deontay Johnson, and they're all in the more more, more common breakout seasons. Um, 11% for those first two, and the rest, um, you know, they're in like 8 7% commonality to the this being a breakout year all breakouts so you know if you like any of those players they seem to be in a really good spot going into 2020 and i don't know if that all that seems really technical because i know we're more used to like this guy's gonna break out for sure right right does or it doesn't but this is just kind of the way i process things i want to come up with a list of players that have a lot in common or more in common with players that have done it before and then what i want to see who i like on this list like i like anthony miller but i hate his adp I like Christian Kirk a lot, but you just got DeAndre Hopkins. So I have a lot of hope. He could be a two behind Hopkins, sure. But, you know, you got to put that in context. DK Metcalf, on the other hand, I feel might have fallen somewhat. We think we've forgot. Maybe we forgot about him a little bit after last season. But I'm also a big fan of Tyler Lockett. So it's really hard for me to like both of them just as much. And James Washington is free. So if I have a free yeah. spot at the end of the bench, mm-hmm. that gives me enough like to still just keep him around unless I really have to drop him. Um, and Deontay Johnson, I think everyone knows about. No one's surprised, yeah. about, to be honest. So Washington is the only one on here that might be like a true sleeper. Yeah, I, I like Washington. So you mentioned uh, McLaurin really quick, but you didn't I did, yeah. quite Same. mention him in the breath with like 
um, Debo and Metcalf. If no, he's in the James Washington group actually, but he was also a lot more productive in his first year, and that's very significant. So yeah, so if he would have played every game last year, do you think that he would be more? Would you be speaking of him more with Debo and Metcalf? Well, that's the thing about doing it this way. Remember, this isn't saying a lot about what the player has done, which is mm-hmm. why your opinion of the player just gets to hold the day. You get sure. the background noise, and then if you just don't like it, screw it. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, and I kind of like that that, that mentality because I don't want spreadsheets to tell me what to do. Fuck, I'm here to have fun. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. help form you your opinion though. To I'm gonna take. I'm, I'm going to take David Johnson one overall if I've got to. You know, kind <laughs> of the fun of fantasy. So I don't like the idea of spitting out the answer anyway. But nothing he could have done last year could make him look better in this list because he's going into his second year as a third round player, and that's that accounts for about six point six percent of all breakout seasons. But importantly, to your point, Terry McLaurin was amazing in his first year which isn't typical of third-round picks. So he's not this typical 6.6 guy. I would say it makes him look a lot more like one of those players. Gotcha, gotcha. And most of the players drafted in the third round. So, like, it just justifies everyone's value of him right now. I think we should be excited. Now, outside of that, now I've said good things about Terry McClellan, and I'll point out I wasn't a big fan of him as a rookie. I didn't think he did a lot to impress in college. Which, you know, happens. I mean, Michael Thomas didn't impress, and now Michael Thomas is, you know, the wide receiver mm-hmm. one. So um, it does happen. I'll layer that on. And he was highly impressive in his first year. But I do wonder, like, the team isn't going to help him out. That, that's not a team that's going to be, like, Baltimore or uber productive, and there's going to be a lot of opportunities. He's going to have to do a lot more himself. He was highly efficient last year, and that's a hard thing to keep up. He had to be highly efficient. Because, like you said, he missed games, but also because the team around him is struggling to be kind. So he has to be efficient, but it's hard to maintain very high efficiency. Um, They did just draft a few interesting, not going to overtake him wide receivers, but a few of the targets that I think could become something in the NFL. Um, So I have trouble with him, but I do think if you like him, like everything about where he's at right now justifies it. Like definitely keep keep blanking him you know yeah so we'll stay with another ohio state uh, wide receiver here and in a second round guy from last year so maybe this this should be one of the years that would do it and paris campbell when the indy um he he's actually taken what two picks after our sega whiteside was last year so what also with him maybe then this is the year that we should be looking for him right in that second year breakout since he was a second round receiver well, he falls off my list for two reasons. One, I, I hated his college profile, but also he had 5% of targets or so last year. And, like, again, we're talking about that most – pretty much if you don't get to 10%, I can't find a hit in your first year. Um, mm-hmm. And if you get over 10%, that doesn't mean you're guaranteed to hit, but, like, that's where they come from, if you know what I mean. Sure. Um, and Paris Campbell was injured. I get it. Like that when he did get on the field, like the one pass he caught was a touchdown. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's been a lot of guys who didn't hit that 10% mark because they were injured and it just never seems to come back around to him. But again, we're talking about, you know, there's very few, relatively few breakouts. It's like 72 or so since 2007. So mm-hmm. one player can swing the whole swing the whole thing. So if there's something you deeply love about Paris Campbell, even if it's just his price as a second-round pick, I don't hate that mentality, if you know what I mean. 
but I don't think Paris Campbell has done anything yet to really make me, you know, put him over someone um, that has, frankly, sure. <laughs> you know. And well, and both of those Pittman? teams, uh, yeah, I'd say both of those teams address wide receiver early, you know, Rager in the first round, Pittman at the top of the second. So whether we like these guys or not, the team still decided that they, you know, need to put more pieces around. Yeah, Do you like Pittman going into this year? He's fringe, you know, almost a first-round pick, just a few off. I do not. Again, he's he's just a college profile that struggles. He was a little underproductive compared to most players that break out. But again, so was Terry McClellan, so don't hate me. Um, and he only played late in his career anyway, which kind of hurts him in the way I prospect. So I think he could be a very decent player. But, like, there's others, even in, in this draft class, uh, getting taken below him that I like a little bit more. Um, but Indianapolis is a really interesting situation to land in. So again, like I don't want to talk anyone off Pittman. I can just say there's not much. That's that's not where my where I landed. If you know what I mean. And um, there is a guy like you've got uh, T.Y. Hilton. Obviously, he's getting a little undervalued because everyone thinks he's going to die now because he's old. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Doyle. Apparently, no one thinks Indianapolis are going to use a tight end anymore, and I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't know why they would stop. And um, so they have a couple of good ones, especially Jack Doyle on the roster. Um, but there was like a really deep – Zach Pascal, he got like a 14% target share in year two as an undrafted free agent. And talking about doing a lot earlier, the earlier you do it, the more you do. And um, that should correlate to how good we feel about them. And um, so he basically did what Anthony Miller did last year in the same career year, but – Zach Pascal is undrafted in rookie drafts, and Anthony Miller is going at like pick one thirty around a lot of the guys we're talking about right now. Yeah, you could probably get Pascal off waivers, right? Right. I, I mean, if you have to pay anything for him, just don't. Don't. Right. He's an undrafted free agent because the caveat to all of this is the NFL hates undrafted free agents. They do just discard them at will. If he had third round draft capital, like the NFL would be treated like he'd be Anthony Miller. That's the difference. Yeah. Or got him cheaper. And so they feel like he's more disposable. But as as a cheap flyer, I was really impressed with what he did last year. Um, like he did what if Paris Campbell had done what Zach Pascal had done last year, like I'd be I'd be pretty shocked and impressed because I wasn't expecting it because of his college profile. But yeah, remember they will just throw him away probably. Like Kendrick Bourne did that, and he's continued to yeah. be good in San Francisco. But he's not he's not what you wanted. It's not what I wanted. Let's <laughs> face it. I mean, we, we give Pascal credit definitely for, for you know, catching what he did and doing with it, but it's it's nothing, you know, with the fact that T.Y. and Paris weren't there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then they go and address it too. I mean, he was, Pascal was competing with Demarcus Johnson, I think is the other guy's name. You know what I mean? So Marcus Johnson, yeah, maybe that was it. There's just not yeah. a lot of throw to. So, yeah, he was the best, you know, shit on the ship pile. Basically. And <laughs> um, I would say, like, just because there's no one else around you doesn't mean you do great. Like, sure. we saw the Jets have no significant fantasy wide receivers for, like, ever. Now, Jamison Crowder and Robbie Anderson weren't, you know, amazing, but they we already knew they were above average. We were really excited about different spots in their career. They did well in college, that kind of thing. And in a terrible landscape, they were head and shoulders, you know, the tallest pile of shit or whatever you said. Um, <laughs> And they did something. They were because they're above average. Because they're able to draw more targets and create more targets than most than an average player. They were good in fantasy. So uh, on the other hand, when you look at Green Bay or New Orleans for that matter, 
the reason you've got Michael Thomas dominating like 40% of the targets and Devontae Adams doing the same thing isn't just because they're amazing and they are. It's because the rest gets dispersed amongst the shit pile. Like yeah. you don't have to be a tall piece of shit. You have to actually be a pretty good piece of shit um, in order to, you know, <laughs> di- affect the distribution <sighs> of those targets enough like Zach Pascal and Bourne did. But again, the caveat here is the team don't care. The team right. is like, ah, I can replace you any second. Yeah. You have to basically be Adam Thielen to go, you can't ignore me, bitch. Right. Like, that's the only way that undrafted free agents matter. Yeah. Uh, you even look but, at, like, the Rashad Higgins and Robert Foster, Deshaun Hamilton, like, how quick we get excited about them for a couple months, and then they just disappear. Yeah, and, and, and to that point, like, none of those players you mentioned ever did what Pascal and Bourne did, and they were right. all higher drafted. But we still keep hoping for those guys because teams also lean on draft capital. It's just true. It sucks. But, like, I don't mind adding Bourne and Pascal and seeing, you know, decent flex weeks maybe or, you know, uh, bye week fill-ins because there is always that potential. We have had, like, there's at least one undrafted free agent that produces, you know, a top 36 or a top 24 season most, most years. And we have had undrafted free agents have become Adam Thielen's. Antonio Brown was a six-round pick, which is basically the same thing, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Not many, but it does happen. And because they're always cheap, like I I ran the calculation once just to see how many fantasy-relevant seasons are actually produced by undrafted free agents. And it's not nothing. It's about the same percentage as come from, you know, rounds four to six. So on a year-to-year basis, Undrafted free agents produce, and because we know the NFL doesn't care about them, we just ignore them, and because there's so many of them, we just consider it an impossible task to sh- sift through and find which tall piece of shit we actually want. But, <laughs> like, there are so few edges these days, and these guys aren't coming out of Thielen every day. They're being top 36, usable, Cole Beasley-type numbers. Okay, have that as your expectation. But no one else wants it. So it's like one of the few edges. I really do think it's one of the few edges left because everyone looks at 500 undrafted free agents and just thinks, yeah, this is impossible. Well, sure, if you're a lazy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like, there's no other if edge. If you don't left. like tall no piles of shit. Everyone reads Roto World. No one forgets to make the waiver claim. Everyone knows the hit rates. Like, we've come to a point where most people you're playing against, like, they. Like the edges of evaporating. So why the one area that everyone just looks at and goes, nah, I don't it, like them. It's like even, uh, that's a little bit interesting, you know? Yeah, you kind of even brought it up on open bar a little bit, how everybody wants like that wide receiver one and sometimes it's just not gonna happen and but we're still starting wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes. If you're starting three wide receivers in a twelve team league that without a flex spot, that's thirty six wide receivers. So Obviously, we can't all have wide receiver ones spread across our teams. Those wide receiver threes are still incredibly viable. I do like pointing out we always feel like wide receiver is deep, and it is compared to running back because it's a it's a uh, it's a lower district. Like the points drop off at a lower rate, and they're more consistent, and they they repeat at a slightly higher rate, and all this stuff. But what I feel like we think that means is there's a top 24 wide receiver whenever we want one. But it's deep, but there's only 24 of them. It can't be any deeper than 24, you yeah, know? And yeah. there are only 12. So production is available later, but it's just a different level. And I think sometimes we undervalue that. 
Um, to your point, Scott Fishbowl, wide receivers provide a significant edge because they're getting drafted at a slower rate. Um, and But for very reasonable reasons, but they're actually better flex plays because the deeper you go into the starting position, so if you finish at like wide receiver 46, they're scoring more points than running back 46. Hmm. So wide receivers, and that's not exactly the same um, in the scoring we're used to, like half uh, or half point PPR or PPR or standard. Typically running backs are what you want in a flex. But, you know, I'm no genius, so I could be getting this wrong, but I do think wide receivers provide an edge in the flex. So like some guys later down in the draft could provide extra flex value in Scott Fishball scoring. Interestingly enough, I just ran a thing that suggested that if we got everything right, and we did not, we have not, and we will not, but if if our ranks were correct, the best way to win is actually QB early. I mean, according to me, yeah. and I'm an idiot, but wide receiver early on average gets you more points per week than running back early because you can snag decent running backs that, just, that don't score that much less on a point-per-game basis than the guys you would take early. Whereas wide receivers provide a, in the top 12 provide a significant advantage over the wide receivers in the top 24, 36 range. And so you get this slight edge over running backs. Now, the thing about it is that's not the way drafts work. Our ADP isn't correct, and you know we don't have the players ranked correctly. So it's a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> but, um, it does suggest that wide receivers, since they're getting drafted slower, they could provide an edge in a scoring system where everyone's so focused on QB and running back. Like, uh, you know, DJ Moore, um, Tyler Lockett, Alan Robinson just comes right to mind if we're talking about breakout seasons that aren't there first. Like, suddenly they're a lot more relevant. They could easily have a much better season than we were expecting, and they're getting drafted in a range where you can go running back, you can go quarterback, and then you snag them um, in Scott Fishball, and, and that provides an edge week over week because they have a better season than they expected. Yeah. I went into Scott Fishball without any prompt. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> it always comes around to that. It's just that time, and I love it. So I'm looking at one that kind of went that way, and uh, my wide receivers are Julio uh, Keenan Allen and Galladay. It's only a couple of rounds oh. in, but I still have Leonard Fournette and Bell on that team too, like to start, just because exactly. you go pretty balanced being at a turn and you end up with a lot of high end wide receiver ones. So. Did you draft a running back? Um, a quarterback? So, a quarterback, sorry. Yeah, I, so I have the 101, and this is one of the mocks that I started with Patrick Mahomes and, and just basically went wide receiver running back at each turn coming back around and just. Just tried to stay kind of even and see how it would be. So, so you said a couple uh, rounds, but you're actually six rounds in. Uh, eight, eight rounds, <laughs> seven now. Yeah. So, but every turn yeah. at the at the the value price, I don't want to say it's a value, but at the price, who are you guys more interested in than Juju, Deontay, or James Washington? Dante. Deontay Johnson, sorry. I was doing the Steelers. Oh, All the Steelers. Yeah, I was doing the Steelers. I'm sorry, I didn't even notice. <laughs> uh, yeah, Juju for me, I really think he's getting undervalued. I think he has the most upside for sure in that group. Um, so, yeah, I really like Juju. I think uh, I would take Johnson out of it, and it would be how late I could get Juju compared to like what Peter said, just the freeness of Washington. I don't know if I want to pay all the way up for Juju, but if it seems reasonable, then, then I'm okay. I'm kind of out on DJ. What's that? You can kind of have all of them if you like him, like Juju, True. Deontay, and then 
like all of them are separated out in the draft. It could end up like with a Steelers team. Um, so I don't, I don't hate any of them. Like last year, there was kind of a definite choice between DJ Moore and Christian and Curtis Samuel. They were going close mm-hmm. enough. It was hard to draft both. And I was like, so you got to make a call. And, you know, to me, it's pretty easy. I'd rather go for the upside of DJ Moore. And yeah. Matt Williams, who actually won a bet on that, um, disagreed with me because I bet that let Curtis Samuel wouldn't get over 20% target share because it's very rare you get a wide receiver running back and another wide receiver doing that. Sometimes you get a tight end, but very rarely another wide receiver. So I was right in theory. DJ Moore was the one you wanted. You should go for that upside. But Matt won the bet because he's really good at betting, man. I should know not to DFS <laughs> guys. He found a smart bet and took it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but with the Steelers, that kind of doesn't exist. Like, if you're on Deontay, you don't have to avoid Juju. Or do you try and do that, like not have players from the same team? Um, I mean, it, I guess for me... I don't imagine being able to get all those three because of the way I draft, but I don't want to be in the situation where they're my, my first three wide receivers, you know, all on the same team. Um, I don't know how those points would spread out amongst my team. I mean, there is a, I, you could say that, I mean, there could be a world where you could start all three of those players and you just know that at least a couple of them are going to get you points to where you, I, I mean, if, any single one of them goes off in a game, you're probably going to be able to get, depending on scoring, like 30 to 40 points out of the three of them together. Um, wide, wide receiver stacking, I, I don't find myself doing unless it's best ball format, and I don't mind doing it. Even then, I'm probably not going three. I might do Juju and James Washington just because I can do one early and one so late and end up with it, but I feel like it'd be hard to do all three. Maybe like a Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, like give me, you know, those two on a best ball team or something like that because they're far enough apart. I think the, the upside, you know, is there that way. Yeah. Just to throw a completely different side. You're welcome. I do think um, breaking down the Scott Fishbowl is having me thinking about the way we draft a lot. And you Definitely. basically all have, always have to be reaching for upside, especially outside like the third or fifth round, somewhere around there. Um, and it's okay to reach on Deontay or to get Deontay. Even if you have Juju, if he's going in a range where his upside is reasonable, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But if you like Juju already, it's kind of hard to see him being one of those. It's about you know nearly two teams a year or one team a year, especially produce two top twenty-four wide receivers, and the Steelers have done it a lot. But I'm not sure we're thinking that's the team that's going to do it this year. But right. if that's where you're at, then Deontay's a decent reach. Depends a lot on Big Ben too. You, you should probably reach for one of these other guys. Like you mentioned, a whole bunch that I like, like Marvin Jones and stuff like that. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, have I been talking too much? You want me to break or something? Yeah, we're <laughs> we're uh, over here in our secret chat. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking it notes It does bring here. up someone we disagree Well, I don't think we disagree with, but we, we had a talk about on the open bar, which is where do you think Antonio Brown's upside is? Mm. Because, you know, he doesn't even have a damn team, and he probably won't, but where is his upside in this situation? You know, when you don't know if he's even going to have a team, and when thinking about drafting, that probably leads to a slightly higher ADP than anyone wants to give him, which probably means he's a value wherever he's going, but also he probably won't get a team. (laughs) And what do you guys do with something like that? I mean, Antonio Brown's such a tough one. I think that 
I mean, first and foremost, like I, I hope that Antonio Brown is getting mentally healthy or that he is or on the right. right track. And it, and it does seem like he is. So all jokes aside, like last year, he just went crazy. I mean, the last couple of years. So, so I'm a little bit concerned about like any team he lands on, like the first time there's any kind of negative interaction with a quarterback or a coach, like, do we go back down that road or is he going to be able to maintain a level of professionalism? And I know that that has nothing to do with, how good of a wide receiver he is or how good he's been. But I have huge concerns unless he's super cheap. And today he would be super cheap, but somebody, I don't know if you guys saw, but somebody made the joke like Antonio Brown's going to be the guy that gets signed in the middle of the Scott Fishbowl yeah, and the next person that, takes yeah. him. And that's probably, uh, there's a good chance that happens. <laughs> yeah. League winner. Maybe. We might also be dealing with how many games Maybe. suspended. So who even knows? What it you know what it's like at that point too, I mean I guess if he's still there with my last pick, which I feel like somebody will have the stones to do it before that. Can I take it with my twenty first pick? Okay, twenty whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. Pick. But it, but in Scott Fishbowl, somebody's gonna do it before that. Yeah, in, in Scott Fishbowl being a redraft format, like the risk isn't there. I mean, outside of everybody wanting to win this amazing league, but. People are going to be taking made-up players, like the hidden Easter egg. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like Shane Falco will be drafted before Antonio Brown, like in some of these two. So, so, so yeah, I I totally get it. I know how good Antonio Brown has been, but he's for – I just have too many concerns if, if he That's can fair. stay stable. And um, I, I think a lot of it is sadly like – stems from a lot of his concussion issues and just trying to maintain I mean he's just his history but man if he's out there I'm, I'm curious what he does like he's one of those wide receivers that he probably will be able to succeed with any quarterback situation um so I know I, I know that I sound ignorant and it, it's it's more just stubbornness but he's probably just not a guy that I'll have but but is on a team, his upside is where to you? Um, that's just it, man. I'm just waiting for something to go wrong, and, and I. You gotta like your team at the end of the day, like I was saying. You mean you just yeah, no and, fun playing if it's no fun. We, I mean, and I know it's not fair to like try to plan for injuries or say that somebody's injury prone, but this guy has just kind of showed that any situation he gets in, he's going to find a way to be unhappy and, and bitch about it and just keep going. He made himself look like a fool through Twitter. Like nobody could shut him up. He's, he's clearly got some suppressed feelings that he hasn't handled correctly in my opinion. And I think that he has held himself back because of that. I mean, he, he did it with the Steelers. He, he did it with the Raiders, obviously, and then he's done with the Patriots. Like, I mean, that that's a lot of issues, and it wasn't like he couldn't pick up the playbook. It was just like going to every situation and having some kind of issue that he wanted fixed just for him, like sure. just a diva, and, and it really turned me off. I can't argue with any of that, but his upside is still wide receiver one on on maybe 30 out of the 32 teams if he were to sign with on a, on a week-in, week basis, once he's actually on the field. Who knows how he gets to the field or if that ever happens. 
but upside as, as his wide receiver talent is still the wide receiver one. Sure, sure. So um, I'm, I'd like to spin it just real quick and just talk about the upside there. And we are Super Flexible Podcast, and Newton was signed since the last time we recorded. I know you guys touched on it a little bit, but maybe uh, not necessarily end on this, but we kind of just see where this goes. Upside of Cam Newton this year, how, how do we feel that way? Swags, I... I know you're not a huge fan, or you maybe even believe in it. Are you are you a Stidham truther here? You staying there? Um, I don't know. We talked Truthers a little bit about strong, right? on on rookie fever. We talked a little bit about it last night too, because we had Kevin Cotillo on, and he's our mm-hmm. uh, as Patriots, Kevin yeah. would say, he's our masshole. <laughs> so I personally, I'm I don't know, man. They hardly it took him this long to get signed. They hardly gave him any money. There's no guarantee. No, hold on. Just just upside of Cam Newton as the quarterback there. Uh, we can talk about all the secondary stuff with him in a second, but just, just okay. him playing quarterback for fantasy in New England. Um, I, I think that he could come in and, and do similar things to Tom Brady, especially like with his, his body and his running capability. I think it'll help open up the open line. And I think like with his recent like injuries and even his shoulder it could help his dink and dunk a little bit and that's what the patriots mm-hmm. have done i i don't know I'd, i'd i want to see like harry and and what happens with him um mm-hmm. I, I think there's upside there but i kind of wanted to see what would happen with stidham and that development and um so yeah if he plays i think that they one, will be making 12, 14 i think he could be a qb1 but yeah, if he plays, I think that it will be because he's ready to play and he's healthy. And so at the moment, he's the starter. Um, I would, I'm, all, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. I'll, I'll stop. But until gotcha. like he's the starter, like, and they know he's healthy enough to have that job, I'm kind of just on a wait and see to see what happens. But yeah, if he's, if he's the starter, like, I'll stop with Shade. So. So you'll be on it if you if you see that named, but at that point you you can't go buy it. You know, what right, I mean? right. Like you're not so you're not willing to make the risk of paying for it now. No, and or, and I don't need to. None of my ago. teams are in that situation right. where I need to no, take I that risk. You. Sure, the price already not, went up too much without him officially being given the job. Okay, uh, Peter, how you feeling on Cam? Yeah, I think he'd be the best quarterback on the roster, or maybe in that conference if. Cam's Cam. That's just that's that's what it is. I def I yeah. I think he can finish as a a number one QB. Um. So yeah, I'm kind of in the exact same place. I I, I really like him on that offense. I guess the effect of Cam on that offense is the interesting one because not a lot of the stuff there is predictive. Quarterback trends, for example. I mean, they sound good, but they don't work out over 50% of the time for that way. Like, you know, Cam's a great example because it was Cam doesn't throw to running back. <laughs> that was fun. Because uh, <laughs> he just drafted all the CMC you could get and uh, it worked out kind of. But I would say the minute uh, that he signed there, for some reason, the fact that Sanu was on that roster stuck out to me because he's someone that's been very good. And not, you yeah. know, in the NFL. I get that he's not been a fantasy star, but he's had, I think he had a top 24 season, but he's been decent. Yeah. Um, and Cam can definitely work with that. It also, honestly, and I shouldn't, because again, I try to stay away from stuff I can't see has a signal or a pattern or has happened a lot before or often, more often. But, you know, it did make me think, hey, that's probably, it's got to be better for Nikhil Harry, right? If we're talking about a healthy quarterback, 
who we know is above average and an amazing rusher, which always combined into this top five running back whenever he was healthy, top five quarterback whenever he was healthy. Like that's not that's better for the offense, and what's good for the offense is good for the people on the offense. So it made me a little more happy about Nikhil Harry. Um, it couldn't get much worse from what you you got out of it last year. So right, um, and maybe a little less. Like I I I, I figured Julian Edelman was just going to run away with basically every target when Stidman was on there. I didn't think it was going to account for a top 12 season or nothing, but I thought he would. He, he's still going to be a huge part of the passing game, I think. And um, he's a great player, but for some reason, Cam being there makes me think that it could, you know, some other people with different skill sets can really start to uh, uh, earn some of their own roles a little bit better than someone who is not as experienced in the NFL and maybe relying on someone who is, you know, absolutely amazing at doing lower ADOT targets, where Sanu. Um, uh, and Harry probably work a little bit better on the outside, I would say. I mean, not I don't know. Edelman can probably do it too. Mm-hmm. But that's not where he operates in that offense. So, yeah, it made me think that those areas of the field could draw a little more attention. Does Sanu being the guy that's working with Cam already make you like him even more? Uh, no, I, I kind of feel the same way I do about those videos as I do training camp videos. I mean, I love seeing them because I, I love sure. these players and I love – paying attention to everything but like you know <laughs> it's like coaches lie so do off-season training videos <laughs> um, but yeah i don't hate it it's not bad it's just i don't think it means i, I don't think i can say it means anything so you don't care that ronald jones did the body catch no no i only just lifted on video I pretty much just assume that all of these guys are doing amazing things in the gym every day. So. I hope so. Hmm. 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 training with you. I know. I was, two drinks got something to say. Know, if anything, I worry about them because it does honestly elevate ADP in an individual league a little bit. Someone's recently seen that video, so they smack on Sanu two rounds early, and I'm like, damn it, I wanted him down here. <laughs> if anything, it's <laughs> kind of spruce. But any, it might not uh, be worth it. Any running back breakouts? Yeah, I was wondering if you're going to ask. Um, running backs break out earlier, and they break out hard earlier as well. Like, pretty much, yeah, by the time you get to the third year, there's a little straggle of running backs still left to break out, if, you know, all breakouts since 2007 were an individual season. But, like, we, we get them a lot through year one and two. In fact, year one is the most common. Clyde edwards helaire and um, as a first round running back, technically last pick, I get it, but technically a first round running back going into his first year, that accounts for about thirteen percent of all breakout seasons of running backs going inside the top twenty-four, though. And um, I do have a little bit of worry about Clyde Edwards' last ceiling. And um, so, what I ran was actually looking at running backs in the top twelve um, and most common breakout season, and um, for a running back to have his first year as a top 12 running back is again, first round draft capital going into their first year. The next most common type of breakout into the top 12 is a second round running back going into their second year. Kind of weirdly. Um, but yeah, 14% of all breakouts of the running back position into the top 12 are accounted by someone like Clyde ebbers Now that doesn't mean I like him more than Jonathan Taylor, because after I layer on player evaluation, like there's a lot of stuff I love about Cam Akers, Clyde Ebersolaire, and J.K. Dobbins. But, you know, just based on their, you know, career year and draft capital, Clyde Ebersolaire looks pretty good. Um, but so do all of these rookies, because running backs break out early. 
someone a little deeper um, and someone like a lot of people found this before me, uh, Blair Andrews over at Rotoviz, for example. Um, the way he looked at it was what do we undervalue in drafts? And what he found was that efficiency in the receiving game for running backs seems to produce higher production the next year or is correlated to higher production the next year. Um, and that means that since that's not getting valued well, we're actually slightly underdrafting running backs who are efficient in their first year, specifically in the receiving game. And the name that popped out for him on that was actually Tony Pollard, which is an interesting name because, you know, we are all rightly high on, high on Zeke, but Tony had a role last year and there's no reason he can't expand on that role, especially since he was efficient in it and produce some really good numbers for us. Even with Zeke on the roster, you don't necessarily have to predict an injury to get Tony Pollard some extra value from where he's being drafted right now. Hmm. Um, also, I'll... I just point out, like, this is the year for Sony Michelle and Rashad Penny. Not that this is a great year for it to happen, but, like, it gets pretty pretty grim after this year <laughs> if they don't do something. Um, so, you know, I still have slight hopes for these first-round running backs that are slowly falling out of out of the chance to produce fantasy seasons. And um, so, yeah. Do, do you guys think Cam helps a healthy Sony? Uh, I was actually starting to think that the lack of a good, uh, of a known good quarterback, I don't know, insult Stibbons, so I know nothing about him, but um, might induce a heavy running team to run even more, which could be yeah. good for Sony. And Sony's problem is health, frankly. And um, so, you know, well, actually, last year it wasn't so much health. Yeah, two hundred and fifty touches really last lower. year. Um, yeah, he just didn't quite get the role we expected from out of that. I'd have to pull up his red zone the, use. The O line fell apart too. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't helped out a lot. Um, I don't know if the quarterback helps him. I just think he's a decent player, and the role could be changing going into this year. So, yeah. That's it's hard thing, for me right? to go hard for Sony Michelle because I'm someone who said, you know, it could be a top five running back next year, uh, this time last year. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know how many times I can be that wrong <laughs> but um, and, and survive it. But, uh, yeah, Sony Michelle is interesting just, again, because, you know, the let's go through the boring numbers again. <laughs> In the first round, hit for a fantasy-relevant season 84% of the time. It's the highest hit rate you'll find. And, like, you're talking single-digit percentage chance that they don't ever have a top 24 season, basically. It's actually increased now because of Sony, Michelle, and Michelle Penny. And, but, you, go, guys. you know, and after this year, I mean, it's not like they're going to die when you lay on, you know, these players are not that group. But they're going into, what is it? It's going to be like the third, fourth year. For some reason, I've lost that call. Yeah, they're going into their third year in 2020. Like, the, the rate of running back hits after that is Derek Henry and a couple of undrafted free agents and, and guys who never really hit the top 12. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's kind of ride or die year with our, with our boys here. So you mentioned the, the pass catchers and um, to drink is our resident Miami Dolphins fan. Do you have any love for Patrick Laird? I have some in outside interest because other people told me that he wasn't as bad as all that. But, you know, running backs are really hard to prospect. Their college profiles don't help out of that. And that's why I'm stuck with draft round a lot more. But I don't hate him. He wasn't he wasn't terrible last year with the role he was given. Um, undrafted free agents are always kind of my gig. So, <laughs> so I can't hate on him too much. Um, 
mostly like I have doubts about where Kendrick Drake is doing right now. Ken- Kenyon Drake, sorry. Mm-hmm. Even in FFPC, which is usually really sharp ADP, mm-hmm. those are people spending a lot of money to play, and so they typically, you know, they get a lot right. And um, like he, I think Drake. Last time I looked, he was going ahead of like Chubb or in that range. And I just, I just, I know, I don't know that Kenyon Drake fella. No, and, people got money too, Pete. Just right. Been <laughs> right. And, and clearly they're not uh, oh, Patreon oh, listener of you, or else they'd be doing that's better. What it was. Yeah, like I like, <laughs> I like Caleb. Uh, well, I don't like Caleb Bellagio. No, do but they just signed Matt Breeder, and he's been a lot better than Patrick Lard uh, in his NFL career so far. Another undrafted free agent, though. And Kendrick Drake is obviously the hotness there. But it's it's Matt Breeder. I'm looking to see if I can slip into the end of uh, uh, well later in the draft. I don't even know where he's going right now. Actually, I find Breeder going before Howard. Drake's over in Arizona, but and they brought in Jordan Howard too. So oh, Breda, that's right, that's right. I kind of like both of those guys. Breeder Breeder seems like, uh, or I've I've noticed that he's kind of going before Howard. So I don't know why we turned it to my gross ass Dolphins. So I appreciate that. But since we're here, uh, you're gonna pay up. "Quote unquote," pay up for for Breda over Howard. It's still late. Like it depends eight, on the draft you're having, there. right? But yeah, yeah if, if I'm looking for running backs in that range, I want to make I want to lock in either Howard or Breda, and I'd probably have him in that order. I'm a, like I'm a fan of Breda. Floor over the upside of Breda. Floor but, Howard. Uh, Howard over Breda for me. Just I mean, Howard's done it. Like he was a top twelve. Uh-huh. Yeah, still um, pretty young. Breda's done it in like two or three games a season when he's healthy. He blows yep. up and then and then literally yep. blows up. So <laughs> can't play anymore. Yeah, must be fun to see on the field just this mini explosion. Oh, there goes Jordan Howard. <laughs> yeah. So those those teams with the rookie running backs. You mentioned you mentioned the Chiefs. You mentioned the Colts. Let's throw Swags as the Lions in there since he called me out from a Dolphins. And you also said Dobbins. What about those counterparts to them? Maybe not in relation to them, but how how do we feel about the Damian Williams, you know, the the Marlon Mack? Are these guys going to move out of the way? Or are they going to take enough away from that rookie in your you know in year one? I uh, that's the thing about running back. It, it's like polar opposite in some ways of wide receivers. Like with wide receivers or tight ends or quarterbacks, I'd be like no, but running back <laughs> no. <laughs> have so much to do with team decision like the teams want to use these players they're not drafting these all-around muscle monsters in the first and second round to not use them and and because running back is much more about uh decisions and earned opportunity i really think so like marlon mack looks like a value right now the reason i'm not doing the you know he's not going to go away thing is that teams kind of make them go away whenever they want <laughs> they just don't there's very few running backs on the field at any one time, so they just they they, they put John Taylor at Jonathan Taylor out there instead of Marlon Mack, and there's not a lot he can do about that. Right. And I think he's been great and undervalued for the majority of his career so far. But like Jonathan Taylor's <laughs> a heck of a prospect, and the team yeah. looks ready to use him. Yeah. So who's most likely to get Carlos Hyder this year then, and just get bounced after Ooh. a couple? Exactly. Um, well, yeah, I think Marlon. Uh, you mean of the group, right? Yeah, um, of, that, of that foursome there. I know my default is we're all going to get Carlos Downhided and Trey Mason. <laughs> like, I mean, um, I would say that um, Kenyon. I keep getting these names wrong. Kerryon Johnson, like he's been 
really good. Um, it ha- really has been injury with him. Um, Watch out. Here we go. So I kind of favor him over Marlon Mack a little bit, basically because the team wants it to be him as well. They're just kind of deciding that it's not going to be. Whereas Marlon Mack has been who he, he's been the best him he can be. And it's been really undervalued. He's been a very good player. Um, but I don't think like he can't stay any healthier. Um, and we see what he can do, and so have the Colts. And they look like they've decided to try and get a little bit more. So um, Johnson over Mac, probably. But all of that's non-predictive. It's just a story, man. Yeah. If you really like Mac, there's no real reason you shouldn't value him. I'll have to look at my teams. I, I would guess that Swift is becoming one of my most highly owned players. Yeah, he's one of those players just getting lost in a shuffle. Because I like him just as well. But if I have to rank him, he goes below Akers and Taylor and oh wow and Dobbins, which means it goes below them. But that's just because they're all really good too. If I'm deciding sure. between Ferraris here, there's not a lot to separate them. But because you have to decide between which Ferrari is nicest or which shade of red of this Ferrari is nicest, um, he he gets pushed down a little bit for me because I just just did a little bit less in college. But I mean. So he gets lost, is what I'm saying. It's like uh, AJ Brown might be a running back this year, kind of a thing. There's no reason, like, John Andre Swift is just as good a prospect in diff- They all have different profiles, but still, as Cam Akers and Dobbins, we just end up, I end up liking Akers and Dobbins a little more, so he falls. And that's what happened to me and AJ Brown last year. Like, I liked AJ Brown pretty well, but I really like Nikhil Harry. Whoops. <laughs> and you know so they fall despite the fact you like them so not a bad idea just to say i'm gonna target that guy to be fair um so let's talk about two drinks trade really quick and cool. i'll say are, are you selling miles sanders peter where are you at Me? with that yeah like personally like if you have miles sanders are you are you holding or trying to sell out with kind of the inflated market Dynasty-wise, my head says, well, he's now at the value he will be if he's everything we think he is, right? right. I don't know yep. if you can go higher, so yeah, it's a sell window. If you can get that full top 12 value out of him, which should be a lot as a young player with the receiving role. Um, but in terms of second-year players, like he looks like the guy to own. That's why everyone's valuing him. So mm-hmm. I guess you could do the cop-out answer of, you know, what does your team look like and that kind of bullshit? But, um, well, yeah, you mentioned Acres and Dobbins. How much would you add? Them. Like, if how much do you need on top of Acres or Dobbins, whichever you want to go with, to you're going to take on the Acres side or the Dobbins side? How much more do you want with that to get rid of Miles Sanders? Well, that's the thing, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think I need a lot, but I think I can get something significant. Yeah. So, yeah, I would do those trades pretty much. <laughs> so, like, a wide receiver, maybe uh, Nikhil Harry and Akers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Dude. Yeah, sure, sure. You'll take the like Harry that. and Akers side? Yeah, I, I like them as well as Sanders. So, yeah, anything again on top of that. You, you chuckled like a little. Do you think that seemed like you just got highway robbery there do you feel like that was too much no i was chuckling because he used nikio harry (laughs) (laughs) i definitely wasn't going to use white side (laughs) (laughs) see if i can get so so let's let's see if sanders is at the right price here or not uh 12 team 
a full PPR, no carry bonus. It is a it is a league that just converted to Superflex this year, and the team getting a quarterback, which is only on one side, desperately needs one. So we have Jared Goff, Hopkins, and Miles Sanders on one side. The other side is Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Calvin Ridley. It's a lot a lot of moving pieces there. Yeah, like I said, the team getting the quarterback desperately needs one. The one sending it away uh, has plenty. Are you asking me again? Because I didn't keep track of that at all. <laughs> and one thing I would say is that um, if it's a dynasty move, and that's kind of the prism I was looking at it from, mm-hmm. it kind of has the value that you want him to have. Like you're not going running back because if it's a value move, you want to kind of move it into something that's a little more solid because the thing about running back value while you trade it is because it disappears <laughs> quicker and, and the holdout doesn't last as long as I would try and move into quarterback or in a super flex or into wide receiver. So what was the trading? So Sanders Goff, and Deandre Hopkins is on one side. The That's other side, side, man, right? The, well, the other side is Dalvin cook, Alvin Kamara and Calvin Ridley. Oh, huge. Yeah. I take the side with two good running backs, I guess. Right. Since Ridley's solid. Um, yeah. Figure out quarterback somewhere else for that team. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Two, two running backs. <coughs> still ahead of Sanders by a decent amount, I feel like. But yeah. Swags, you, you kind of wanted me to go the other way. It's close. <sighs> I, I just know how much it sucks to not have a quarterback in Superflex. And I, I think you're upgrading that wide receiver there. I think I like Hopkins a little bit more than so most. Current, um, current and, quarterbacks on that team are Cam Newton, uh, Justin Herbert, Jameis Winston, and Nick Foles. It would be weird to drop a quarterback on a team you're trading for running backs on because running backs tend to be, I'm going to make a push move. But here's here's the thing I'm trying to learn from like the Trade Addicts podcast. You could then trade those two running backs. Do you think you'd get a quarterback and a wide receiver out of one of them? Just doing one of them. Yeah, like I wonder if you traded Kamara or Dallin, even if you could get – a, a lesser running back in return a quarterback. With a quarterback. Yeah. And still keep with the other one to have. To yeah. I'm, not, I'm not good at trading, so I don't do those moves, but I think that's someone, that's what someone who's good at trading would do. Like <laughs> Brian Haar and I have to be like, yeah, sure. Then I'll just flip for Kamara for, for Bacon. Mayfield and that's or something that's fine in leagues that are very active. I would that's say true. this one, this one is not, you know what I mean? Like oh, rarely does a, a trade come across the table. Um, and this trade started somewhere else. And this is what came back. Who are your other um, running backs after Kamara and Dalvin? Uh, at this point, it's Sony Michelle, which we talked a lot about today. And then a couple of no-name rookies that by what Peter said, I'm going to have to wait till at least next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if ever. So uh, uh, I am like definitely quarterback heavy. Available? Nope. Mm. Nope. This is a, a one quarterback that went to Superflex, and basically, as soon as that was decided, anything that resembled a quarterback on waivers was scooped up by everybody. Yeah. So you know, some teams have a have a whole bunch, and others others do not, or went you know went other ways with their fab. Mm. So it's a lot of moving pieces. I think uh, uh, me and Swags have talked a little bit just about Dalvin Cook and Miles Sanders, and it's probably the absolute worst time to make those two players, you know, move in a trade the other way. Yeah, Dalvin at a low weight on a contract, and Miles on this high of being a top what DLF like top ten yeah. uh, running back. Yeah. Top, and, uh, and like Peter first, said earlier, you're two rounds, you're paying so. for Miles Sanders at his on the Dalvin. We imagine him to be at the best. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think that's, that's probably a conversation like for another time because I don't know that he's at the best yet. He, we didn't even, we didn't even really see it. So, are you, are you telling me we're paying up for what we think it to be, or because that's, we think I, it could be just a little better? You know what I, I mean? See, and if all these running backs I mean, are holding out right. in front of him, he can slide in front of those guys too. I mean, let's get way up on the Sanders hype train, shit. I mean, if you're there, then yeah, that's right. <laughs> Brother, I am there. I don't see a Barkley because that's the next value range for Sanders. It's being valued like Barkley or CMC. Yeah, let's put him at three and get nuts. I don't know. I don't know. I see that. I mean, maybe. Fuck. But, but maybe not right now. Maybe not right now. But this time next year, I don't think that's inconceivable. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not inconceivable, right. but I don't see it in his likely range. But it's not in, if you do. I mean, that's different. You know? <laughs> I just that um, might be a little high for me. I was just trying like, to throw the number there, but I don't that, mind it being up in that up in that you know range of of players either. The argument for Sanders, I think, is that he had a lot more of that committee than most people imagined, and he's really good with it. But mm-hmm. a lot more isn't isn't Barkley's usage, isn't CMC's usage. Having said that, CMC didn't have his usage year one, but I, I seem to remember him being better than Sanders was. Yeah, for sure. So, I know I'm, I'm working on this. I don't know how to put it in a spreadsheet yet, but I think players tell us more of what they are earlier, and the others, like Hopkins, for example, at wide receiver, is someone that we didn't really see the full range of his capacity early. And um, even Tyler Boyd, like I saw it because I trusted his college profile and his first year was good, but then he dipped in year two. Uh, Chris Godwin, for everyone that got him right, like he really hadn't shown in his numbers that kind of potential. You had to believe in what you saw or what you found in his college profile in order to get there. Um, But for the majority of time, I think like doing a lot early, the earlier you do more, the more likely you are to be good. Um, And following that kind of rule, like Sanders looks like top 12 running back, which is phenomenal. They're very rare. They're very valuable. But like Barkley blew us away year one. So did Zeke. So did um, players entered that upper tier. They do. A, I don't know. It just seems like a slightly different tier for me. Mm-hmm. Fair. But hell, you know, he's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Especially PPR. Yep. I worry about when we put things in that. And it's you have to go for the things that are a little rarer. That's where you find the gold, right? You find you find the true diamond fantasy assets. All of them look a little bit different or a lot different than each other at all positions. And sometimes you just have to shoot your shot to use a to use an old trope. And so I think that's fair. Sure, um, but I get it. If you're paying up for what it could be, or even that might be what the price. You know, in my head, what do I should have to pay next year? So I have to hit on everything for it to get me just back exactly, to normal right. value. And then I'm a year later on a running back, and I'm already, you know, back against the wall. So I, I totally get that side of it too. I hear you. I just don't want to end up in the anything can happen category. Like it's sure, not, it's not impossible. Yeah, sure. But if we're doing that, it's not impossible that Gardner Minshew is better than Drew Brees. He's not. <laughs> you know, it's not impossible. Yeah. Jordan Howard is a top twelve running back again. It's, if if it's in the realm of anything's possible. Like that's where I get a little bit nervous, and probably why I have only a twenty nine percent win rate in Scott Fishball. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> I think. Uh, the, so this is my. Oh, just going into this tangent. Cool. Uh, fourth year, the first year, I actually won my division and won nine games. That was under a different handle before I became uh, 
what is now considered an analyst, which is a little bit of a joke, but we're all doing our right. thing. Um, but actually, I won that division. That's such a joke. Everyone, right, yeah, sure. no one makes mistakes. Because <laughs> if so, so, all right. So in my in my division, I have a quote unquote fan, Paul Crane. Yet Paul Crane is in a retweet group of, group of mine, dropping content like every other day. So I, I see you sneaking, <laughs> Paul. Like you, I got you, buddy. Um, but but no. So after that one year and getting bounced, I think you. you know, round one from the playoffs you're like well okay i can win my division but if you're not that different from everybody you're probably getting bounced and then you just go so crazy off the wall in the next two years and i think i won four games total so toy stories division don't you worry uh my team's probably not gonna matter <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard not fun. to matter if you have two top 12 running backs to be fair but i don't get know. your wide receivers early because you get them more points with quarterbacks, I do feel like there's always someone every year you can pick up. And that's why I ask how good they are at quarterback, because that can vary. Um, like, there are some leagues that I'm in there where, like, there is no QB value because everyone sucks them up. They're trying to play the John Bosch special of trading. You, you have to trade the world to get a quarterback. Um, and in others, like, you will get um, – God, I've even forgotten his name. It's not just Minchu. It's the Colts guy who now seems to have been replaced by set and you know austin davis not back long ago I and mean, it wasn't great don't get me wrong but where typical not scott fishbowl typical quarterback scoring is so replaceable and those occasional random starters that do happen every year always makes me play fast and loose with quarterback and that's kind of an individual league thing though because if your league has got that on lockdown it's not a move you want to make <laughs> but um yeah yeah I hear you. Well, Peter, we we said we'd try to get awesome. you out of here oh, at, wow. at yeah. one, and we did an awful job. Um, I could honestly talk to you all day. Um, anybody, if I didn't I say it, we, like we gave Peter literally less than twenty four hours, and he totally came through for us. So I would like to try to continue this again sometime in the near future, um, even if we change I the think topic. We need to make a little the, bit. the zero G the zero G uh, cycle got some rookie fever and breakdown in your future i feel it oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> the zero no day. man um, really appreciate you asking me on happy happy i can make it and anytime really well not anytime because sometimes i'm like working and stuff but if i'm available i'm more than happy to come on chat with you. yeah screw work you, you're doing this and so be a patreon of peter since he's not going to say it again we'll make sure we say it at least one more time <laughs> So, no, so um, I would appreciate someone checking out my podcast. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But um, that's where I'm. That's that's I guess the thing I can plug because that is also free. Dynasty Crossroads, yep. Dino Crossroads on Twitter. Um, and yeah, just just I have guests on. I don't know how to describe my podcast anymore. That's actually the problem with it because I used to have a co-host too. I used to have a friend as well. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and um, he, he left to become a golf pro, which was weird. But no, I, I, I didn't want to replace my friend, you know. That's weird. So I ended up doing a solo show, which is fun. I like solo shows a lot, and occasionally I get I persuade like someone like you guys to come on and talk with me. But like the original premise was, he was a film guy, I was an uh, I guess quote unquote analyst, and um, in the numbers side, and we try to argue about players to come to some kind of middle ground or you know yeah i'll definitely argue with you peter if that's what you're trying to get here 
Run and I enjoy run. film much more than numbers. So I think we could probably come yell at you a little bit on players if you really wanted that. Yeah, definitely. Go for it. I, I would and, love the opportunity like, sometimes, no man. One, just holler at me. No one's sure. an idiot since he left, and I miss it. Call me cannibal. It's great. So now I try to have other people on to like have the discussion about players, and the rest of my episodes are trying to lay this background noise. Here's what happens most often. I go find out about things, and then tell people what I found out, like vacated targets. What what are they? How often does that matter? How much does it matter? Um, so, yeah, I don't know what my podcast is, but it's there. Please check it out. Appreciate it is it. Dynasty Crossroads, and do check it out. Peter's Definitely. also a senior writer for DLF. As he mentioned, he's got that pinned tweet. Lots of information there. Uh, you're crazy not to look at it. Like he said, from 2003 to 2019. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, so definitely. Much information. It's, got a few, it's got a few Debbie players in there, but it's not set up for that. Like I've got a few 2021 prospects, but not a lot. I need data bursts, and we really don't get those until they declare. Yeah. Sorry. That's the thing. There you go. So tell them who you are, and oh yeah, it's my turn. Maybe not. (laughs) He's at PA Howdy. Yep, follow him. All that stuff we said. The other guy at Swagzilla Zero G. Boom. I'm at a Fletcher Drink Man. I'm your to the Superflex Pod. Happy Fourth. Did we even do Boom players? We did. We did early. I feel like we did so much more than Boom players. Don't blow up your. Everybody have a great Fourth. Everybody's doing it at home, and nobody's going out. Safety first. Then teamwork. Let's <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, dude. <sighs> I synced it. I synced it. So are we going to get JJR Sega Whiteside? Second year breakout. God man, now Jim Rago's gonna eat that fucking lunch. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs>